It's wonderful to be here with all of you today and to worship God in spirit and in truth. We have a wonderful assembly here, and we're glad for your presence, and it is an honor to speak concerning the Word of God for just a few minutes today. Last time I spoke a couple weeks ago, I talked on the subject of hope, and I talked about hope as a responding obligation to God. In other words, once we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, we have a responsibility to live our life in hope. And you might remember that I said, as wonderful as the blessing is of hope, that's not why we're commanded to have it. We're commanded to have it because it trusts God. It demonstrates our trust for Him. And when we trust God, we glorify Him, and that is the means or that is the reason for our existence, is to glorify God by our lives so we can enjoy Him forever. But there's a second part. So this would be kind of part two. There's another way that we have a responding obligation to God, not only to live in hope, but also live in holiness. And may I suggest also that hope produces holiness. I don't know if you've ever thought of it in that way, but it really does. In fact, we have Bible for that. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So one produces the other. In verse 15, though, of our text, we have the main verb of be holy yourselves. That's the main thought. Be holy. But here's a little background. If we go back to verse 14, it opens with the words, as obedient children. You know, in the Greek, it actually says it this way. In the Greek, it says, be as children of obedience. In other words, obedience is what we are, is the demonstration of what we are or who we follow. Now, I know that obedience is not a very popular word. It's not a popular word today. But may I just say that if you are a child of God, you cannot have a mind or a heart of disobedience or defiance. Now, the world says you got to think about yourself. you got to take care of number one. Don't obey anything. You have the responsibility or the right to do whatever you want. That is not a biblical principle. If you are a child of God, then you must live in obedience. In fact, as the Greek says... Be as children of obedience, meaning this, you're born of obedience and in obedience. You derive your character from obedience. You derive your nature from obedience. Why? Because you're the child of obedience once you obey the gospel. That is our life, an obedient life. Obedience, as one man said, is the parent whose image that you bear. Now, we can look at our children, and many times they really bear our image. And sometimes that is in a physical sense. I mean, you look at a child that looks just like the, the father, perhaps, or the mother, and sometimes we say, man, the blood is really thick in that family because they really look the same. And sometimes also mannerisms. I have a friend of mine that I've been friends with for over 25 years, and I have known his son since his son was a little boy. But his son is no longer a little boy. His son is in his 30s. He's a full-grown man. And I hadn't seen him in, in a lot of years. And I saw him a while back. And just listening to the sound of his voice, his mannerisms, and all of that, he sounds like his father. 
Because that is the image, he is bearing the image of where he came from. That's what the word of God is telling us too. We need to be children of obedience. And that's really the characteristic of our life. So, since that is our pattern, it makes sense that we be holy. In other words, be, lo- be like the one whose image that you bear. Now, how are you going to do that? You know, one of the great things about the word of God is it gives us practical things that we can do. You know, I think if we cannot apply things in our life practically, they become meaningless to us. They're not just concepts. The Bible is not just filled with random or general concepts. There are specific things of practical benefit, and that's what I want to talk about for the rest of our time. Remember last time we talked about hope, and I said that the idea of resting or fixing your hope, that's the verb, and that's the main verb of that sentence, but it has modifiers. In fact, in the Greek, there are participles that are modifiers that modify the main verb. In other words, we've been given a command. Here are the modifiers of how to do it. That's great practical benefit. So when the Bible says rest your hope, it doesn't mean rest as in relax. Rest means, as some translations render it, fix or place. In other words, what Peter was saying is, you fix or place or you rest your hope on what? On the revelation of Jesus Christ when Jesus comes back and the grace that's going to be given to us when he does so. In other words, when the Lord comes back one day, those that have been redeemed and those that are saved will then finally have the abundant entrance into the the everlasting kingdom. And Peter says, fix your hope on that. Now, here are the modifiers. Here's how you do that. Remember, number one, you got to gird the loins of your mind. I'm not going to go into this very far at all. I just want to make one point. Remember how we made reference back to the time of the Passover. And what did God do? God instructed that the children of Israel would do what? They would get their sandals on and ready to go. They would get the staff in their hand. They would put the belt on. They would gird their loins and get ready to go. You know why? Because when the death of the firstborn was uh, seen or uh, came evident, God knew that his people would not have much time. They had to get ready and get, get ready to travel. And isn't that what we're doing today in our Christian life? We're getting ready to travel. Live your Christian life like this. I don't know what's going to happen. All this stuff going on in the world, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know why. But I'll just tell you this. All I do know is I better be ready. If the Lord's going to come back, I need to rest or fix my hope on his return. I need to have the staff in my hand, the sandals on my feet, my belt on, and gird my loins and get ready to go. That's number one. That was the first modifier. The second one, be sober. And sober means don't be intoxicated. But in this specific sense, it means be sober-minded, be serious-minded about your salvation. Get serious. Think circumspect. Think better. In other words, we have something else, though. Since we have that hope, we need to live our life like that. But what about holiness? How do we get to that point? How do you live a holy life? This is the main main verb also has modifiers here, too, and that goes back to verse 14. In verse 14, Peter says, Not conforming yourselves to your former lust as in your ignorance. In other words, don't act like you used to. 
You know, I know that struggling spiritually is a real thing. And I know that sometimes, and sometimes we refer to young people, but you know, anybody can struggle. Anybody can go through a struggle. But if you have a problem with sin, and if you are struggling with sin, maybe it's because you have not turned your back on your former life. That is the modifier. Live a holy life. How are you going to do it? I can't be conformed to my former life as I did in my ignorance. What's that mean? My ignorance means my unredeemed ignorance before I was a Christian. I can't be conformed to that. I can't focus on that. Don't act like I used to. And by the way, the word conformed, it means fashion yourself. Don't fasten yourself to your former life like you did before you became a Christian. Paul said it this way in Romans 12 and verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You have to change the way you think. You know, it's brilliant that the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The mind is so powerful, and the mind is so influential. So if I'm going to change the way I think, I have to change the things I do. So I don't need to be conformed by my former lust, as I did before I was redeemed, but I have to be transformed. The only way that I can be transformed is by the renewing of my mind, and that is on a continual basis, and that's with the Word of God. You've got to fill it with something. i got to remove stuff, but i got to fill it with something. And that replacement is the Word of God. One will never be holy until he makes a break from his former life. And you know, that may be former friends. That may be former hobbies. That may be a job. That may be things that have led us in a way that we should not go. And sometimes that's difficult. But if I'm not going to be conformed to the former things, I have to remove it. You know, Jesus, brilliant Jesus said it this way in Luke 9. I love this. He said, no man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What Jesus was brilliantly telling this man, who family ties were standing in his way of true discipleship to Jesus. He was telling him an ancient proverb that dates back to 800 B.C. And it literally means this. You can't plow a straight furrow when your eyes are looking back. Here's the practical application today. Okay? Don't look back at your former life of sin with joy and fondness when you decide to follow Jesus. Don't look back. We could preach a whole sermon on looking back. We can talk about Lot's wife looking back. We can talk about things where you look back. If you look back, it's only a matter of time that you'll fall back. And by the way, if I'm going to look this way and I'm not looking the way I'm going, I can't plow a straight furrow. You cannot live the Christian life successfully if you constantly look back. Turn from the sin. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay. But the standard of holiness, though, is found in verse 15. In verse 15, it says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. In other words, I need to do two things. One is a negative. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to my former lust as I did in my unredeemed ignorance. Positive side, but be like the one who called me. You know, that's God. How does God call me? How did God call me? The same way he called you. That's through the gospel. 
So when you are redeemed or called through the gospel and you obey the gospel, don't act like you used to. Act like the one that called you. Act like God. Change your thinking. We know that by the word of God. So it's both positive and negative as well. Negative, don't act like you used to in your unredeemed ignorance. Positive, act like the one who called you, and that's God. And this concept, by the way, is not new, and I'm almost finished. It's not new. In fact, the Bible says in verse 16 of our passage, Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Let's go all the way back to the Old Testament. And this concept was taught in the Old Testament too. All the way back in the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus 11 and 44 it says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves and you shall be holy for I am holy. Verse 45 of Leviticus chapter 11. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy for I am am holy. So in conclusion, we're going to wrap it all up, tie it together right now. When you obey the gospel and you become a child of God, you have a threefold responding obligation. You've heard me preach on that in days gone by. One, we have a responsibility to each other, don't we? We bear one another's burdens. Two, we have a responsibility to ourself in that we are to grow or feed on the word of God and grow thereby. But three, and most importantly, we have a responding obligation to God. And that is done in two ways. One, live in hope. Two, live in holiness. How are you going to do that? i got to turn from the things of the world. i got to turn from my former life. It can't have influences in my life anymore. And i got to start being like the one who called me. And that is God. If you want to live successfully the Christian life and not struggle all of your life, you got to do it. Turn from your former life and turn toward God and be like the one who called you. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.